Volume 8, Chapter 10 of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Valley. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Harris by Francis Burney. Volume 8, Chapter 10 A Shock. Cecilia passed the rest of the day in fanciful projects of beneficence. She determined to wander with her romantic new alley whithersoever he would lead her, and to spare neither fortune, time, nor trouble in seeking and relieving the distressed. Not all her attempted philosophy had calmed her mind like this plan. In merely refusing indulgence to grief, she had only locked it up in her heart, where, eternally struggling for vent, she was almost overpowered by restraining it. But now her affliction had no longer her whole faculties to itself. The hope of doing good, the pleasure of easing pain, the intention of devoting her time to the service of the unhappy once more delighted her imagination. That source of promissory enjoyment, which, though often obstructed, is never in youth exhausted. She would not give Mrs. Charlton the unnecessary pain of hearing the letter with which she had been so much affected, but she told her of the visit of Albany and pleased her with the account of their scheme. At night, with less sadness than usual, she retired to rest. In her sleep, she bestowed riches and poured plenty upon the land. She humbled the oppressor. She exalted the oppressed. Slaves were raised to dignities. Captives restored to liberty. Beggars saw smiling abundance and wretchedness was banished from the world. From a cloud in which she was supported by angels, Cecilia beheld these wonders, and while enjoying the glorious illusion, she was awakened by her maid with news that Mrs. Charlton was dying. She started up and, undressed, was running to her apartment when the maid, calling to stop her, confessed she was already dead. She had made her exit in the night, but the time was not exactly known. Her own maid, who slept in the room with her, going early to her bedside to inquire how she did, found her cold and motionless, and could only conclude that a paralytic stroke had taken her off. Happily and in good time had Cecilia been somewhat recruited by one night of refreshing slumbers and flattering dreams, for the shock she now received promised her not soon another. She lost in Mrs. Charlton a friend, whom merely from her infancy she had considered as a mother, and by whom she had been cherished with 
tenderness almost unequalled. She was not a woman of bright parts or much cultivation, but her heart was excellent and her disposition was amiable. Cecilia had known her longer than her memory could look back, though the earliest circumstances she could trace were kindnesses received from her. Since she had entered into life and found the difficulty of the part she had to act, to this worthy old lady alone had she unbosomed her secret cares. Though little assisted by her counsel, she was always certain of her sympathy, and while her own superior judgment directed her conduct, she had the relief of communicating her schemes and weighing her perplexities with a friend to whom nothing that concerned her was indifferent, and whose greatest wish and chief pleasure was the enjoyment of her conversation. If left to herself, in the present period of her life, Mrs. Charlton had certainly not been the friend of her choice. The delicacy of her mind, the refinement of her ideas, had now rendered her fastidious, and she would have looked out for elegancies and talents, to which Mrs. Charlton had no pretensions. But those who live in the country have little power of selection. Confined to a small circle, they must be content with what it offers, and however they may idolize extraordinary merit when they meet with it, they must not regard it as essential to friendship, for in their circumscribed rotation, whatever may be their discontent, they may make but little change. Such had been the situation to which Mrs. Charlton and Mrs. Harrell owed the friendship of Cecilia. Greatly their superior in understanding and intelligence, had the candidates for her favour been more numerous, the election had not fallen upon either of them. But she became known to both before discrimination made her difficult, and when her enlightened mind discerned their deficiencies, they had already an interest in her affections, which made her see them with lenity, and though sometimes perhaps conscious she should not have chosen them from many, she adhered to them with sincerity, and would have changed them for none. Mrs. Harrell, however, too weak for similar sentiments, forgot her when out of sight, and by the time they met again, was insensible to everything but shew and dissipation. Cecilia, shocked and surprised, first grieved from disappointed affection, and then lost that affection in angry contempt. But her fondness for Mrs. Charlton had never known abatement as the kindness which had excited it had never known Ally. She had loved her first from childish gratitude, but that love, strengthened and confirmed by confidential intercourse, was now as sincere and affectionate as if it had 
originated from sympathetic admiration. Her loss, therefore, was felt with the utmost severity, and neither seeing nor knowing any means of replacing it, she considered it as irreparable and mourned it with bitterness. When the first surprise of this cruel stroke was somewhat lessened, she sent an express to Mr. Monckton with the news, and entreated to see him immediately. He came without delay, and she begged his counsel what step she ought herself to take in consequence of this event. Her own house was still unprepared for her. She had of late neglected to hasten the workmen, and almost forgotten her intention of entering it. It was necessary, however, to change her abode immediately. She was no longer in the house of Mrs. Charlton, but of her granddaughters and co-heiresses, each of whom she disliked, and upon neither of whom she had any claim. Mr. Monckton then, with the quickness of a man who utters a thought at the very moment of its projection, mentioned a scheme upon which during his whole ride he had been ruminating, which was that she would instantly remove to his house and remain there till settled to her satisfaction. Cecilia objected her little right of surprising Lady Margaret, but without waiting to discuss it lest new objections should arise, he quitted her to fetch himself from her ladyship an invitation he meant to insist upon her sending. Cecilia, though heartily disliking this plan, knew not at present what better to adopt, and thought anything preferable to going again to Mrs. Harrell, since that could only be done by feeding the anxiety of Mr. Arnott. Mr. Monckton soon returned with a message of his own fabrication, for his lady, though obliged to receive whom he pleased, took care to guard inviolate the independence of speech sullenly, persevering in refusing to say anything, or perversely saying only what he least wished to hear. Cecilia then took a hasty leave of Miss Charlton's, who, little affected by what they had lost, and eager to examine what they had gained, parted from her gladly, and, with a heavy heart and weeping eyes, borrowed for the last time the carriage of her late worthy old friend, and, forever quitting her hospitable house, sorrowfully set out for the grove. End of chapter 10